Welcome to It's a Question of Balance with Ruth Copland. Featuring stimulating in-depth interviews with special guests from all areas of the arts. And now, here's your host for It's a Question of Balance, Ruth Copland. Welcome to the show where we balance the intellectual with the creative, exploring whether we have more in common than divides us through thought-provoking conversations. For the topic hour, I go out and about and talk to people on the street about a wide variety of different subjects that affect us all, both locally and globally. And for this, the Arts Hour, I interview local, national and international guests from all areas of the arts. The show combines a debate topic with an arts interview because I feel discussion and creativity are two of the most vital ways we engage with the world. My special guest this week is the renowned Indian actress, writer and director Nandita Das. She has acted in over 40 feature films in 10 Indian languages. Her directorial debut, Firak, premiered in 2008 at the prestigious Toronto Film Festival after being screened at Telluride. Besides receiving widespread acclaim and numerous awards for her acting, Nandita has been repeatedly recognised for both her art and her world community activism. She has twice been on the jury of the Cannes Film Festival, among others, and was confirmed the Knight of the Order of Arts and Letters by the French government. She is the first Indian to be inducted into the Hall of Fame of the International Women's Forum and was the chairperson of the Children's Film Society India and a World Fellow at Yale in 2014. Nandita is a strong advocate of social issues, which is evident throughout her work. Her latest film, which she wrote and directed, is called Manto and was the opening night film at the 2019 Cinequest Film Festival. I was fortunate to interview Nandita on opening night prior to the film's screening and then a few days later in the studio. Nandita's film Manto is about Sadat Hassan Manto, who is celebrated as one of the greatest short story writers from South Asia. He lived from 1912 to 1955 and in his short life wrote almost 300 stories, more than 100 radio plays and numerous film scripts and essays. He had an unwavering empathy for women and those who lived on the margins of society, including sex workers, bringing attention to their plight. His defining works are set during the devastating partition of India that led to the largest mass migration in the history of the world, killing hundreds of thousands of people. Manto was tried six times on charges of obscenity for writing his irreverent stories both in India and Pakistan. Today, his stories are considered to be the most honest account of his times. Nandita Das's film Manto is set during the four most tumultuous years of Manto's life during the independence of India from Britain. It's a film about two emerging nations and one man trying to make sense of it all. Manto is available to see on Netflix. Well, let's hear some of my conversation with Manto's director and writer, the brilliant Nandita Das. I'm at Cinequest with uh, Maverick Spirit Award recipient Nandita Das and her film Manto is the opening night uh, film for the festival. Thank you very much for agreeing to being interviewed for its question of balance. 
With over 40 films to your name, you've been embedded in the arts for years. I'm wondering if you can remember the first time that you became aware of the power of art in any form, whether it was a book, a film, music, to affect us on a deep level rather than just entertain us. I think the first time was when I was about 17 and mm. I did a street play and uh, it was about uh, dowry debts. I don't know if you're aware, but like, in Oftentimes it happens that women um, have to bring a certain amount of wealth with them mm. when they get married and if they don't bring it then they are tortured and sometimes they, they are literally burned to death. And uh, it still unfortunately exists even though dowry as such is banned. Mm. And I did this play and we had these orange ribbons I still remember that were some sort of symbolic of fire and I was in the middle and you know after the play we used to take a bed sheet and collect money from everyone mm. and uh, when I started collecting in a slum in a you know they are they are mostly very sort of lower class neighborhoods and people would actually start crying and they would touch me as if I had been burned and I would think wow it's just a play I mm. mean you know it's it, yes it was impactful but it's nice but why are they sort of almost overreacting to it and I realized that something that was a news item for me in a newspaper, because this was unthinkable that something like this would happen to anybody that I would know closely. Mm. Whereas for them, it is something that they had actually experienced and lived. So mm. I realized that how deeply they were moved by it and they would give money, which was in a way you know, beyond their means, mm. just in wanting to support. And I used to, in fact, feel that, you know, doing these plays is going to change the world because you're idealistic at that mm -hmm. age and, yeah. and you make a kind of an eye contact with your audience because you are right there in the midst of them. Mm. And, you know, it's not a proscenium place. You literally sort of beat the drum and collect people and they're walking in and out and you tell your story. So, in, I mean, while I did perform in plays and dance performances in school, like every child probably does, mm. but I think that that experience of doing street theater at 17 was mm. sort of deeply impactful. And I did street plays for four years with a very sort of important group uh, called uh, Jannatya Manch, which means people's theater, literally. Mm. And the person who founded it, Safdar Hashmi, he uh, very brutally got killed while performing a play that I had done 50 shows wow. of. I wasn't there that day, but I also realized that, you know, the, f the fact that the conservatives, the orthodox, the extreme right does get threatened mm. by art mm. should tell us the power of art, exactly. right? Yes. That just yeah. a street play, which a few hundreds watch, mm. or a film that is a two-hour film, mm. or a book that not everybody reads, why do people get threatened? So I guess yeah. they get threatened because they know that art has the power of getting into your subconscious in a very subliminal way without you mm -hmm. almost rea not realizing it. Yes. And I think good art, that's what it does. It sort of gets into your minds and hearts, you know, before you even know, and it impacts your responses. It, it triggers conversations. It challenges prejudices. It, you know, it, it doesn't create revolutions, but it does many of these small things that actually make us who we are. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds like a very powerful experience to have and, and to see in other people as well as experience it yourself, you know, yes, to, to be involved in that. Did you grow up in a creative environment, would you say, or did you find sort of the <laughs> arts for yourself? I did grow up in a creative environment. My father is a painter. He's a very senior artist in India. My mother is a writer. 
So, um, you know, at that time I was surrounded by not just them, but their friends because mm. they were like very bohemian. Our house was an open house. There were writers and painters and musicians and dancers and photographers and architects. They would come into our homes. We would be taken there. And, you know, so we, I, was in, I sort of grew up in the midst of all that. And I'm sure it has sort of impacted my aesthetics, my the way I look at art, you know. But uh, but nobody was really from films per se. No. And yeah. in fact, uh, they didn't even watch films. Then, and especially in India, where Bollywood is big, you know, people are. That's what almost everybody grows up with. Yes, even those yeah. who come from very sort of intellectual backgrounds, or you know, <laughs> sort of more yeah. artistic. Everyone just sees films, but because my parents didn't watch it, yeah. we didn't even have a television for eight years when everyone mm. else did. So, yeah. so some cinema wasn't something that I was really exposed to. I started watching films only in college, right. and that too because a bunch of my friends wanted to be filmmakers, mm. and so they introduced me to more independent films and. I used to watch films in other languages, which wasn't so common to see it in Delhi, where I grew up, mm. and more sort of independent and world cinema. So I, you know, mm. watched Truffaut and Godard and Fellini and Tarkovsky and all of I that. <laughs> yeah, at you know, between sort of 17 and 20 or 22. And I think that must have impacted me, but I still didn't want to do films. I had no dream or ambition to mm. be an actress, let alone a filmmaker. I um, I enjoyed the performing arts, but always saw it as a as a nice sort of fun mm. thing to do, and yeah. you know you enjoy the experience of it, mm -hmm. but not enough to be seeing it as a career or as a profession. Mm. So my background is really of social work. That's what I did my masters in, mm. and then I joined uh, two different NGOs, one after the other, that worked with on issues of women, mm. and then something that worked on education with uh, school rural school teachers and mm. and children. So it was very different. And Fire literally fell into my lap in some ways. Fire was the first film that I acted in, mm. which also got released. And it was a story about two women in love, something that we, even in my very liberal environment that I grew up in, mm. 22 years ago, they didn't talk about it, yeah. even though my parents were very inclusive. So, yeah. you know, we had, uh, intellectually I had understood the subject, but I hadn't really emotionally understood that how insensitive our society was and how hypocritical yeah. it was and how really gays and lesbians were treated or how it was understood. So mm. that film also changed my life because in many mm. ways it brought in this theme of discrimination and prejudice, which mm. has been a sort of a recurring theme that I've yes. always been yeah. interested in. And this whole thing of othering, you know, quote-unquote, yes, uh, yeah. just this, yeah. this idea of the notion of the other yes. and, and therefore identity and what identity you own, what you want to distance from, yes. what are the given identities, how you feel trapped by identities, that we all have multiple identities. All of that has been mm. of interest to me, and, and I think it is really thanks to Fire and the experience of not just doing the film, because that's still a creative process. But mm. after the film was released, the kind of backlash, and, you know, we theatres were burnt, and we were physically... People were asked not mm. to see it, and which, in turn created a big debate around it. And yes, people yeah. took to the streets and yeah. talked about freedom of expression and, you know, why such a film should be seen, whether you like it or not. Yes. So it sort of raked up a whole, you know, diff various different issues that have also been very much part of my own journey and my own interest. Yes, yeah. 
I have a master's degree in uh, counselling with an emphasis in creative arts therapies and I'm very oh, interested wow. in the uh, psychologist Alice Miller and she studied artists a lot and she felt that um, through art we can, uh, it's a means where it's possible to process trauma and mm. to, to gain um, healing in, in various ways and I, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that from the perspective of both making art and for people experiencing art, mm. whether you feel it's possible that art can have a healing effect. Oh, definitely. I do think that art can have a deeply healing effect because the healing is such a slow process. Mm. And so much of it is not just conscious. It's so subconscious because yeah. in a way you're scarred and traumatized because of many things that you yourself don't understand. Yes. So therefore, how do you heal something that you don't know exactly yeah. why it happened, what happened, or you know, or how to even deal with it? Yes. And uh, like I said before, that art sort of so subliminally goes into your subconscious and you know, can be a balm, can aggravate also. Depending on how it's yes. used, it can sometimes touch a raw nerve. Some, and that can be also a process of healing because mm. you maybe you're not you're not dealing with the aspect of your life, and sometimes you see that reflection in a film or you see someone else's story, mm. and you feel that my God, yeah, I feel exactly like that, or this is what I've gone through. And I've seen that happen. I did a film called Sandstorm. And in fact, that's when I came here with Cinequest, I mean, mm. to Cinequest. I was the actress in that film. And I remember screening it in Chicago. Mm. And this, this lady came after that, and she, was, she had been obviously crying through the film. She was completely red eyes and, you know, sort of weeping. And she said uh, that my sister has gone through a similar experience on this campus. And I was like, really? Oh, wow. I mean, this was a story of a village woman being gang-raped in her small village in Rajasthan, an yeah. illiterate woman in her 40s. And this young 20-year-old is telling me that in this modern third-world country, on a, in an educational campus, that this, this thing happened. But the way she was crying, and I have no idea why I said that. I looked at her, I said, did it happen to you? Mm. And she said, how did you know? And I said, I don't know. I don't even know why I asked you that, but it just felt like. And she just broke down. She just hugged me, and she kind of broke down. And we were in touch, actually, for a long time. Mm. And I don't know how now I'm remembering that incident after years. But yes. I don't, and, and it was a kind of a process of healing and just make an acknowledging that and feeling that I don't need to be ashamed of it, you know, right. because I had those yeah. conversations after it. Yeah. I think in terms of making, if it's a healing process, the fact you choose a particular subject mm. is because that's something that bothers you, that you need it for your, right. you know, yes. to, to want yeah. to express that. You mean as an artist? As an artist. Like, say, for, you, for, for me, for instance, yeah, something. that, you know, yeah. somewhere, why am I doing Manto? Because mm. there's something that the, the, the trauma that he went through in telling, you know, what he felt needed to be told or the truth that he wanted mm. to the way he had to face all these charges against him, you know, his own battle of freedom of expression. Mm. Why did he deeply care about, you know, the identity of just being a human being, which was much more important than being, you know, of what country or religion or gender and all of that. Yeah. I think deeply resonates with me and I deeply feel troubled by it. So mm. you find ways to express that. So in many ways, the, the writing process is very healing. 
the shoot is the worst part. It's right. not healing yeah. because you're just in the logistics of things and in the, you know, just wanting to get that story out there. Just, just the yeah. managerial skills are sort of needed. And it was, it was a very tough shoot. Mm. And then again, when you start putting it together and the choices you're making, what to keep, what not to keep, mm. is also because, you know, it's also subjective. Yes. And through yeah. your work, you're actually getting to know yourself. Yeah. So in a in some ways you're also healing yourself mm. in not in an overt way but you know through that process and then when you take your film and you meet different people and different people ask you different questions like I've never been asked the question that you've asked me and you know it's helping me think about it that yeah is it I mean I instinctively feel that it's it can be also healing mm. but it's interesting for me to think aloud with you yes, and to yeah. see why like someone I remember asked me that has this film made you more of a pessimist or an optimist mm. you know another place they asked me that in six years of having worked with it has it drained you or has it energized you mm. you know so people ask you different things that you have not yes. thought of it in the same way but yeah. so like they say, that art tells you more about yourself, everything, right? I mean, in some ways, your relationships tell you more about yourself than anything else. So. Yes, yeah. You're listening to It's a Question of Balance with me, Ruth Copland. My special guest is acclaimed Indian actress, writer and director Nandita Das. We're talking about her life work and new film, Manto, which she wrote and directed and is now available on Netflix. We're going to a break now, but I'll be back with more conversation after these messages. Hi, I'm Casey, and I'm the second-generation owner of Bookshop Santa Cruz. We pride ourselves on being Santa Cruz's community bookstore. We feature an extensive selection of new and used books, children's books and toys, gifts, cards, magazines, and games. Our knowledgeable booksellers can help you find just the right book or gift. We hope you can join us for our author events each week, featuring best-selling authors and books of local interest. And if you can't get downtown, our website has over 3.2 million titles, which ship directly to your home. We even have experts on site to help you publish your own book or family history. Come visit us downtown or at our website, bookshopsantacruz.com. Bookshop Santa Cruz has been an independent bookseller for over half a century in the community we love. Visit Bookshop Santa Cruz downtown. We love our customers and the books that make it all possible. Bookshop Santa Cruz, online and in downtown Santa Cruz. Bookshop Santa Cruz is delighted to welcome back Lisa C., New York Times best-selling author and recipient of National Woman of the Year by the Organization of Chinese American Women. Lisa C.'s new novel, The Island of Sea Women, is a beautiful, thoughtful novel, illuminating a world turned upside down, where the women are in charge, engaging in dangerous physical work, and the men take care of the children. The Island of Sea Women introduces readers to the fierce and unforgettable female divers on a small Korean island and the dramatic history that shaped their lives. This free event takes place on Monday, April 8th at 7pm at Bookshop Santa Cruz. It's a great opportunity to meet the popular author Lisa C and get your book signed. So that's Monday, April 8th at 7pm. More information at bookshopsantacruz.com. 
Welcome back. You're listening to It's a Question of Balance with me, Ruth Copland. My special guest is the renowned Indian actress, writer and director Nandita Das, whose biopic Manto was the opening night featured filmed at the 2019 Cinequest Film Festival in Silicon Valley. Nandita's film Manto, which she wrote and directed, is about Sadat Hassan Manto, who is celebrated as one of the greatest short story writers from South Asia. The film is set during the four most tumultuous years of Manto's life, during the independence of India from Britain. It focuses on both his family life and writing, interweaving five of his short stories into the tale of his life. It's a film about two emerging nations and one man trying to make sense of it all. You can see Manto now on Netflix and I do recommend checking it out. It's a moving, atmospheric film that illuminates a difficult historical period through the experience of a dedicated artist. I interviewed Nandita at the film festival and then later in the studio. So you'll notice a bit of a change in the ambient sound in the next clip as it moves from the festival to the studio. Let's hear some more of our conversation. You write, direct and act, which are all huge things in and of themselves. <laughs> I'm wondering what makes you want to work in all three areas, whether they feel like they come from the same creative process for you or whether there's aspects of each that appeal to you. Um, in my life, most things have happened more by default and very mm. organically. So they've not been sort of in that sense conscious decisions, right. you know. I yeah. mean, I didn't want to act when I did Fire and everyone said, whoa, that's a really bold film to do as your first film. But at that time, I had no idea there would be a second film, right. you know, so you yeah. just do. Yeah. And I yeah. did Firak as my first film, which I directed 10 years ago which was about, again, how violence impacts people. And, mm. and I don't like seeing violence at all. And both my films are set in violent contexts, but you don't see violence in the film because I'm yeah. more interested in the psychological and emotional impact that a film has. And, and therefore, in, in both these things, I feel that they were in both the cases, I, was just, I just felt compelled to tell the story. It wasn't mm. that, oh, let me now direct and let me look for a story. Mm. If I had done that, I don't think I would have done either of these films because they were right. both very complex. You know, <laughs> Farak was a complex first film and Manto was a complex film because it was also large. It was period film. It was mm. just very difficult. And, yes. and therefore, I was almost doing like two films because half the film is in Bombay and the other half is in Lahore. Mm. So, um, yeah, there was, so I, I just feel that one kind of flows into the other and uh, the need to share, the need to connect is, mm. is very deep. Yes. And I think I instinctively keep finding different ways to express that. I used to do a monthly column for a magazine mm. for about eight years and I could write about literally anything. So it was very cathartic for me to mm. be able to write about, it could be something that I want to write about motherhood with my child, it could be about the political situation, it could mm. be a conversation with a woman friend and what I think, is there really a choice that women have or is it a notional choice? So literally about anything. So I just feel that I've been very fortunate that I've had the opportunity to express myself in different ways, you know, whether as an actor, as a writer. I do a lot of speaking engagements in colleges, social forums, you know, or as a director, or like an interview like this with you. Yes. These yeah. are all just different means to that end, which is to share. Yes, yeah. Uh, the film Manto intersperses five of Manto's stories mm -hmm. with factual events. What, what motivated you to approach the screenplay in that way, you know, having fiction yeah, and fact? Um, Strangely, the day and literally the time that I decided that I wanted to make a film on Monto, 
that structure is what came to me and i have no idea why i just maybe because as i was reading manto i felt mm. you cannot separate the man from his writing mm. they both kind yeah. of feed off each yeah. other and onto See each that. other and you know to understand the writing you need to understand the person yes and to understand a writer's head and that's why not too many films are made on writers in india hardly any because yeah. how do you go into the head of a writer yes. so you experience something but it comes out in a completely different story yes yeah i think you know to when you read something by a writer you're entering into a very personal world a very personal relationship so i think for that reason what you were saying about yeah. um, needing some of that f- fictional world to be in their life as well you, to understand them is really a, yes a and good also with yeah. and also with manto i feel like his the line between his fact and fiction were very blurred mm. sometimes you almost didn't know whether this character was really in his neighborhood or did he create this character right you know there are some incidents that have happened in his life he's written an essay about it mm. like a biographical sketch and has mentioned that incident yes. but because he's so deeply impacted by it he is also he's also written it as a story and mm. created composite characters yes. and i think that was the reason why i wanted to kind of you know show at least a glimpse of his stories to know that yeah. how he processes so when we say he was deeply impacted by partition what does it really mean in real yeah. terms it's only through his stories you realize what aspect of it was he disturbed by or how he processed it within himself yes So Manto is a biopic about a real man. You you could have made a documentary on him. What draws you to fictional filmmaking as your artistic vehicle rather than documentaries? I mean I have the greatest respect for documentaries. So don't get me wrong, but I think I just sort of stumbled upon acting. Mm. And 22 years ago my first film Fire by Deepa Mehta, that's the one I did and I started getting more offers. I've also watched both documentaries and fiction. I think in fact documentaries require a different level of time commitment and dedication. Mm. And uh, and also I I'm actually drawn to the form of fiction. Mm. Even when you're telling true stories in a way it kind of tells you in a manner that is in some ways very engaging, not to say the documentaries cannot be, but you know you also want to make it accessible to as many people as you can mm. and the fact is that documentaries unfortunately don't reach to that wide an audience i mean obviously that's not the only criteria otherwise i would have made it sort of more bollywood style because right. that reaches yeah. to even larger audiences so you know without compromising in believing in the power of sort of a story i think there were many things to it to be honest i didn't even think about documentary versus fiction and also mm. when the person is not alive you know your documentary ends up being interviews of those who may have known him and there were hardly anybody because he died so young so um i didn't even actually think of that as an option right from the beginning it i thought of it as a full length feature film right yes yeah as you um mentioned just now when we spoke earlier right. at Cinequest you you have no formal training in in filmmaking or acting and many right. people even with training have a fear and a lack of self-belief and a lot of people aspire to goals that somehow they never seem able to reach i'm wondering what gave you the confidence to move into the opportunities that you had without formal training sort of what in you or your background 
gave you the qualities right. and support to keep moving onwards and upwards? I think uh, one, I would give a lot to my parents and the upbringing I got. My mm. father is a painter, mother a writer. So at some level, you know, they were fairly bohemian. They were sort of, they gave me a lot of space to question, not to be sort of bogged down by what are you going to be when you are big, you know, that kind of a question that often right. are asked of children. It was more about the journey that you enjoy what you do and and in all of that, I think this fear of failure wasn't something that was instilled. And that in many ways mm. is very freeing when you're not, yeah. you know, you're not wanting to prove something to someone or you're not sort of fearing what if it doesn't work because I have no idea. I mean, when, even when I did Firak, my first film 10 years ago, I had no idea if I could actually direct a film because an actor is only privy to the shooting phase, mm. which is uh, important, but it's still a very short phase in the whole process of filmmaking. But I think just this, thing of, you know, you're just so compelled to tell a story and then you do not fear failure and you say, listen, I'm going to do the best I can and if it turns out right, great. If it doesn't, I tried my best. Mm. And with that, I have approached my acting or even when I, I was first asked to write a column and I said, listen, I'm no journalist. I don't know if I can write and a mm. monthly column. What do I even write about, you know, month after month? to think about, I know for you journalists, it's much easier, but uh, eight years ago, nine years ago, when I started writing, that was kind of daunting. And with every column that you write, you realize it's a new avenue, a new way of expressing yourself. And mm. I, I, used, I did that for about eight to nine years. You know, I have about 85 columns that I wrote. And wow. Because you just don't, you know, you don't fear that. And uh, yeah. same with directing and same with speaking engagements. I've tried many different things because I enjoy doing different things. And I also feel that uh, there are different mediums through which you can express yourself. Mm, yeah, I think you hit on something very important there, which I, I think, you know, having a fear of failure is terribly inhibiting, but, but feeling yeah. that failure is part of success is and also really not freeing. having the burden to define success, actually. Yes, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. I don't even know what success. Sometimes people say, how do you feel about being successful? But there are those, my, many of my well-wishers in Bollywood sometimes feel like I missed the bus because I, they feel that, you know, I made wrong choices. I was resistant to doing Bollywood films. Had I done that, I would have been more marketable, mm. more successful. So success is defined uh, differently by different people. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I really agree with that. And I, I think there is, unfortunately, a, a big pressure from the world and often from people's yeah. parents about what success means. Yeah. And it, it's often and not about your inner world so much as the outer world, which I think is yes. also not helpful. And uh, once you have the burden of being successful, it also burdens you about the fear of failure. Mm, yeah. Because, you know, there are sort of two sides of the coin. Yeah, yeah, that's true. From the beginning of film with the, at least in America, the infamous casting couch right through to the current <laughs> Me Too movement, how right. women have been treated in the film industry has been less than ideal. I'm interested in to know from your experience if you feel the industry has changed over your career so far and, and how it treats women, what further advances you'd like to see, and, and if it's very different between India and, and Hollywood. Um, yeah, I mean, imagine it takes it took so many years and, and, you know, a few powerful women to actually come up with uh, 
sharing their own stories and speaking up. So you can imagine how difficult it must be for just regular people who don't have that kind of agency or that kind of platforms to, you know, share their stories. Yeah. Um, and I'm not even thinking so much of the sad aspect of, you know, the, the sexual inappropriateness. Right. I'm thinking also of just women... Being, being in film, and, exactly, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it is a very sort of uh, male-dominated industry, as it's everywhere in the world, and India is no different, and India primarily is a patriarchal, feudal society. So we have sort of one foot in modernity and one in tradition. Mm. You know, in fact, we often say that we simultaneously are in many different centuries. Mm. So it's, al- it's al- always been sort of difficult early on when in the early sort of, uh, you know, 20th century when women started acting, it was seen as a bad thing to do, that women not from good families go to films. Mm. So it had that kind of a reputation. And when it started becoming a more glamorous field, even then it was more that you could be an actress. But behind the camera was, you know, not something that was so common. Mm. But uh, I have seen in my 22 years with, you know, my uh, whatever interface Mm. with the industry, I've never really worked from within the industry. I grew Mm. up in Delhi and I continued uh, by choice to stay in Delhi and work in different parts of the country. Mm. But um, I have seen that younger people, there are many more coming into this field and, you know, playing different roles as cinematographers, editors, production designers, and actually helming their departments. They've always been good assistants, and a lot of the times directors, in fact, prefer sort of women assistants because mm. they're sort of, you know, they come up so with so many difficulties that they're really mm. diligent, they work harder, and they seem more sincere. I mean, of course, I'm generalizing here, but mm. largely speaking. Yeah. But um, in the last few years, there's been definitely a huge shift where there are many girls and women who are getting into the field. But the thing is that in the old, because in the older generation there were less, there are less people who are sort of in leadership roles. Mm. That way we'll see maybe five years from now there'll be many more women who will be taking far bigger roles in filmmaking process. In Mm. terms of directors, it's the same. I mean, there's been a spate of women directors lately, and many of them are really young women, Mm. and and we will see a more significant change in the coming years. But uh, they're telling different stories. I mean, they're not traditionally women would sort of do more independent films or, you know, more emotional dramas Mm. and that kind of a genre. But now in India, there are a few who are doing very sort of mainstream films that are not, often they are, that how come they are doing? I mean, they are women. Why would they want to do a film like this? But, you know, women are also, they have different interests. It doesn't mean that a woman cannot do an action film or cannot do mm. a horror film. Or I mean, they personally are not the genres that I gravitate towards. But to stereotype or to think that women can only do a, you know, a certain kind of films is also a bit of a um, a burden. Like, for instance, even I'm asked that, why did you choose a male protagonist? Mm. Because I've been involved in many gender issues and issues of women. And, uh, you know, as if, or, or why do you take political themes? You know, why are, why are both your films set in violent times? And why are you so interested in sociopolitical mm. aspects? So, you know, so somewhere there is that baggage Although I've been very vocal on those issues, so at some level there is a reasoning that they find. 
but it's still it's all there are too many whys for women yeah. and i think that it will change with time yeah i i think you're right and i i think one of the reasons given for less women in film generally is a lack of female mentors and role models obviously yes. what you've done in your career is very inspiring for women and and as you say with other women coming up um do you think mentoring is important yes absolutely and then i think that when women helm a project when they're like for instance when there are women directors uh, consciously and instinctively you tend to take more women you're at least mm. more open you look a little harder sometimes it needs you know just looking a little harder they are there but you know they're they may not be in sort of plain sight but it's totally possible and in fact even in manto there are two women who are helming their respective departments one is a production designer mm. was a woman and the one who did the songs she was a woman so you know in, in that sense i had a far more uh, of course a lot of assistants and other people but in terms of also important roles there were women yes yeah yeah You're listening to It's a Question of Balance with Ruth Copland. My special guest is acclaimed Indian actress, writer and director Nandita Das. We're talking about her life and work and new film Manto, which she wrote and directed and is currently available on Netflix. We're going to a break now, but I'll be back with more conversation with Nandita after these messages. like the music from It's a Question of Balance with Ruth Copland? Have you ever wondered what the full songs sound like? Now you can find out by listening to the new EP, It's a Question of Balance Music, available from iTunes, Amazon, and It's a Question of Balance.com. It's a question of balanced music. Download individual tracks or the whole EP from iTunes, Amazon, or it's a question of balance.com. Buongiorno, we are Luca and Giovanni from Bellagio. We bring to Pleasure Point Santa Cruz the first authentic Italian gelato and the traditional panini. Using family recipes from the old world, we offer the real taste of Italy. We use organic and locally sourced ingredients to create a healthy and delicious treat that will put a smile on your face. Gourmet panini, the real Italian gelato, fresh juices and more, just a block from the ocean. Come and visit us. You will feel like you are in Italia. Visit Bellagio at 743 41st Avenue in Santa Cruz. 
That's 743 41st Avenue. And follow Bellagio Santa Cruz on Instagram. Welcome back. You're listening to It's a Question of Balance with me, Ruth Copland. My special guest is the renowned Indian actress, writer and director Nandita Das. Nandita's new film, Manto, which she wrote and directed, is about Sadat Hassan Manto, who is celebrated as one of the greatest short story writers from South Asia. Manto begins in an optimistic India waiting to be free from British colonial rule. No one has any idea of the upheaval the partition of India and Pakistan will soon bring. You can see Manto now on Netflix and I really recommend checking it out. Nandita's script and direction is wonderful and the film also has an amazingly talented cast. Well, let's hear the last part of our conversation now. We talked a lot about Manto when I spoke to you previously um, uh, in, at CineQuest, but one thing I did want to ask you about the film, you said that you um, don't like to show a lot of violence directly um, because you don't want to uh, glamorise it, I think you said. And, and obviously... Yeah, normalise or Normalise, normalise, yeah. that was it. Yeah, I couldn't remember. So obviously Manto is set in this very... Um, violent time so I did watching the film get a real sense of how horrific that is but you know from a filmmaking perspective you know how do you create that balance of enabling people to feel it but you don't need to gratuitously you know just be showing a lot of of horror which often switches people off anyway I think you know they're not really experiencing it then yeah it's it's because of the normalization you almost don't feel as much Mm. as maybe that violence ought to be making you feel because we have seen so much of all this, you know, killing yeah. and looting and even raping and all of that yeah. has some way also numbed us, which is a, which is really sad. It shouldn't be doing. And, you know, even physical violence is, is huge atrocity and yeah. we shouldn't get used to it. No. But I've always been more fascinated by the emotional and psychological impact of violence. Mm. And I think it was also very organic because then the violent times become more in the backdrop and how do people get impacted i mean it has Mm. happened to all of us as well i mean sometime or the other you've been in a city where there is a bomb blast that has happened or some somebody's got killed or there's a crash and you know at some level our lives go on and yet they are not the same at least for some time till we have this amnesia and we forget and we get on back to our lives but uh, how does it impact us? Or when we hear about a story of a friend or somebody in the family, and you know, so I, I was always more interested in that. And uh, I, I, just, I don't know how. I mean, it wasn't a very, not just a conscious choice of trying to avoid violence, but organically, I tried to create scenes where you feel the sense of fear, where you feel the sense of that tension that violence brings upon those mm. who are struggling with it, not in overt ways, but are in that context. So, um, yeah, I think it kind of also went with the fact that I didn't want to see violence, and therefore it was just most natural for me not to want to show violence. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. With a film like Manto, where you know there is one very central character, obviously casting becomes even more important perhaps than usual how did you go about casting manto 
for Manto in particular, um, it was in 2013 that I met Nawazuddin Siddiqui, who had worked with me also in Firak uh, mm. 10 years ago in my first film. He, that was his most sort of significant part that he had done. Before that, he was doing smaller roles. And uh, I met him in 2013 in Cannes when I was in the short film jury and uh, Nawaz was with a film there. Mm. And it was still very early stages and I thought to myself, I'm not going to tell him <laughs> that, you know, I'm going to, I'm thinking of casting or that I'm working on this project on Manto because as an actor, I know that it's sometimes very disheartening when someone yeah. tells you of an exciting project and you know it's it may never happen or it's going yeah. to happen much later. But with the, I'm very impulsive by nature. So the minute I saw him, I told him about it. And, and he was most excited. And he said, oh, I'm yeah. going to give you my two, three years of my life and yeah. all of that. But uh, much later, when I actually managed to gather the funds and everything was ready, was, you know, as late as uh, 2017. And uh, by that time, he had become quite a star. And he was back-to-back -back shooting and from very mm. Bollywood film. In fact, he was doing a very, very Bollywood film where he had to dance and all of that. <laughs> so it was... Yeah, very a very different role. Manto. Very different role. Yeah. So he couldn't give as much time to researching and sort of immersing himself in it. But he relied a lot on my research and my vision of the character. Mm. But of course, brought with him his great talent and he has a way of melting into characters. Yeah. And also he has very powerful eyes and I wanted... One of the main reasons I wanted him because he had these eyes that were very, had mm. a lived life experience, you know. I mean, he has yeah. also struggled and so did Manto. Yes, and that's yeah. something you can't fake or you can't act out. No. Either you have it or you don't. And uh, so that, uh, and the other actors, the one for Safiya, she had done very little roles. So, I mean, very few films. And uh, I saw her in one and I immediately cast her. I didn't even have a backup for her. Yeah. And uh, she was, because she hadn't really done any big film, she was, of course, over the moon. And she said, yeah. you're not even going to audition me. <laughs> I said, you don't need it. You know, you're a wonderful actor. And I can see that. And you look the part because she looks a lot like re the real Safia. Mm. And uh, for the others, I, um, I kind of used up all my goodwill and reached out to those I knew, those I didn't know, because there were many famous people who literally did it, you know, did a one day's shoot or two days shoot for nothing. I mean, so many oh, actors wow. have worked for free yeah. and I'm truly grateful. In fact, even Nawaz didn't take a penny. He said, Gosh, you know, yeah. this is an amazing role and you're doing it. I completely trust you. So mm. and I was very grateful that so many actors helped me. Yes. The toughest in a way to cast was Shyam. And that should have been the easiest because, you know, he's like a chocolate boy. Many of Indian heroes could look the part. Right. But, um, and I went to some of the top actors because my producers were very keen to cast somebody big. Yes. Uh, commercially big. And all of them very politely met me, but basically they all said, give us the role of Manto and we'll do it. Right. But we don't want to play a second lead. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that yeah. wouldn't be right. And therefore... And then I went to Tahir, who did this, who did Sham, and he's, mm. a, he's a really good actor, and he's, yeah. he's, his vulnerability and his sort of sweetness kind of shines through. Yes. So yeah, I mean, yeah. by the end of it, I think we got a we got a good cast. Yeah, I mean, it it is um, a remarkable film, and it, it's dealing oh, with you. some very difficult, difficult, complex emotions. I I think for all yes. the for all the characters. 
and so you know it really is a testament to your direction and and Thank the than the actors um, also the contradictions of Manto often in films it's not very easy to show very contradictory characters in a believable mm. manner yeah. because you have less than 2 hours to kind of establish a character yes. yeah and especially your protagonist who's this you know who's inspirational who you actually really like and you want to empathize with and sometimes your empathy shifts to the wife or to the friend or yeah. you know because they have yeah. their own reasons for what they do and you sometimes may end up actually not liking your protagonist yeah, yeah. or or you know some a, a, a protagonist who is very sensitive but can also be uncaring about something or has great amount of moral courage but can be afraid of going to the jail so there were those kind of contradictions that one was dealing with and i think it needed believable writing believable performances and just the whole thing had to come from a faith that gets transferred to the audience for them to believe and you know still go with the intention of the director yes yeah absolutely finally i, I wanted to ask you the world of film is highly competitive it, it's hard to yes. succeed and it involves continuous self-promotion once you're well known there are the additional challenges of celebrity yeah. i'm wondering how you keep your sense of your true self in an environment which can be quite distorting to self-perception oh totally and especially um, having been an actor because mm. actors are perceived always larger than they really are mm. you know because you get uh, i mean even from fire you get sudden fame and name and money i mean uh, compared to other professions even though i did independent films and was paid much lesser than the commercial films but because i was in delhi and all my other friends were in other professions i always thought i got paid more than i deserved because mm. you know they were i felt like they were doing better things for the world <laughs> and i was just acting and yeah. you know why was i being paid more till i came to know about what the commercial rates were and i realized how i was actually being taken for granted and was being paid really less <laughs> so everything yeah. is relative yes but yeah i think i had my head on my shoulders primarily because i was not a full time actor mm. if i had been sort of if that was my ambition and if i had been in the bombay industry um you often have to do you know sort of substandard work not the work that you love but just to kind of keep it going be more mm. visible also to maintain a certain lifestyle which comes with being a film person yeah because you're right there's a huge amount of baggage you know you just don't become an actress because you're talented mm. you have to be in the papers often or in the you know you have to be doing ads you have to be in india you also you you go to events for which they get paid you know there's a whole sort of pr every actor i mean even a young actress who's just about come in they have all pr agencies promoting them and you yeah. know so it's a whole different world and i'm glad that i never got into it um and also because i kept doing other things i was more connected to the real world mm. and uh, that is so humbling anyway because yes, the real world yeah. people have greater struggles women are you know having to navigate through so much more people are doing amazing work much more important and interesting work and uh, they are not equating their work with money or fame or so much happens without the media shining the light on it yes and uh, so you are always kind of grounded and you don't start taking yourself too seriously yeah. because the minute you start taking yourself seriously then it's a slippery slope and 
not too many can save you because also you know the industry is full of psychophants yeah. everyone will tell you how amazing you are how amazing your film is and if you know if yeah. you don't have true friends and family who can tell you and you know when you're not doing the right things or doing anything that's false or you know if your film there's something that's not working yeah. so luckily i have enough critics in my <laughs> you know immediate yeah. life who will definitely pull me up if i don't if if i'm not being genuine or authentic or or any of that yes yeah so I, i'm fortunate and therefore there was there's never been a reason for me to take myself or my work too seriously yes yeah well thank you so much for talking you, to me and i wish you, thank you all the best with manto and um you know thank it's amazing you. it's available on netflix now so i hope that yes, listeners and, will and every single day i get some response from somebody watching it somewhere in the world so i do hope that more people will watch it Well thanks so much again to Nandita Das. You're listening to It's a Question of Balance with me Ruth Copland. And as I said that was the acclaimed Indian actress, writer and director Nandita Das talking to us about her life and work and new film Manto. Very inspiring, interesting conversation about her approach to art. And just to remind you again Her latest film Manto is on Netflix. So it's pretty easy if you have Netflix to check it out and I really recommend that you do. It's a very interesting, powerful film um that's beautifully created. So again that's Manto M A N T O. Thanks for joining me and I look forward to being with you again next time.